You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we're going to finish the fifth chapter of Yivamot. And this chapter is, is focused exclusively on, we might say, double actions. So is it possible to perform Yibum or Chalitza or Ma'amar or to give a get more than once in the process. And we've learned already that the definitive acts in terms of yibum, in terms of leveret marriage, are either chalitza, in other words, the ceremony of taking off the shoe and spitting in the face. Chalitza dissolves finally once and for all the bond between the widow of the deceased brother-in-law and the brother. So chalitza performs a final act of dissolution and yibum, in, in, in this case, intercourse, provides the, fa- the consummation of the leveret marriage, provides the act of union. So in other words, when the brother dies, if he dies childless, the relationship, a, a relationship is set up between his widows and his brother-in-law. And that relationship can either be broken by chalitza or sealed by intercourse. All other actions, such as ma'amar, in other words, promising to carry out yibum or giving a get, indicating that one's not going to carry out yibum, all of these are rabbinic, and they don't have full force. And we're dealing with, as ever, with the situation where the deceased the, the deceased brother has two wives. So in the picture on the source sheet, Alex dies first. Alex is married both to Alice and Betsy. So Alice and Betsy are both widows. And if there's a, if, the, if Alex is childless and there's a surviving brother called Bob, Bob is connected in some way both to Alice and to Betsy as a result of Alex's death. That's the setup. And the question is, what sort of actions can Bob perform with Alice and Betsy? And we've already discussed the question of whether he can give Ma'amar or a get, whether he can promise or promise to carry out Yibum or promise to carry out Chalitza to both widows, both Alice and Betsy. But now in the fifth Mishnah, we're going to see, we're going to look at some other examples. So the Mishnah begins. Chalatz vechalatz. He performed chalitza and then he performed chalitza. And I think we assume here that the Mishnah is talking about these two different widows. He's performed chalitza with both of them. That's the first setup in the Mishnah. Chalatz vechalatz. He performed chalitza and then he performed chalitza. Must be with these two widows. Or chalatz ve'asama amar. Maybe he performed chalitza. And then did Ma'amar. He performed Chalitza. He agreed not to marry one of them. And then he performed Ma'amar, a rabbinic betrothal to the other. Or maybe he did Chalitza and gave a get to the other one. Uval, maybe he had intercourse with the other one. So those are the setups. Those are the first setups in in, in in the beginning of the Mishnah. He gave Chalitza to one widow and then he might have done something else with the other widow, whether it's a betrothal, whether it's a document, either, either document, 
betrothal or divorce, or whether it's intercourse. Or maybe it's the other way around. So now the Mishnah will give us the mirror image situation. Rather than chalatz v'chalatz, he performed chalitza and then performed chalitza, the Mishnah's going to postulate ba'al uva'al. He had intercourse and he had intercourse. He had intercourse with both widows. Or, in a mirror image of the first set of examples, or v'al v'asamamar v'natanget v'chalatz. Maybe he had intercourse with one widow, and then with the other one, he gave a ma'amar or a get or chalitza. He gave a rabbinic document of promising to marry her or divorce her or chalitza, completely severing the bound. So in other words, he's performed conflicting actions with the two widows. What's the result? So the Mishnah declared, Ein har chalitza klum. There is nothing after chalitza, i.e. the chalitza is the, the act that, if you like, it, it's a closing off act. It's a closing off act. Once he's performed chalitza, nothing else has any legal significance. Ein achar chalitza klum. There's nothing after chalitza. So let's go back to that first example, chalatz chalatz. He performed chalitza and then chalitza. As soon as he's performed chalitza the first time, as soon as he's severed the bound, the, 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 the bond of lever at marriage, that's it. The lever at marriage is off. The women are free. Nothing else that he does has any legal significance at all. He might have performed chalitza with the second widow, but there is absolutely no significance to that action at all. So, for example, while the first one has the status of a divorced person, so, for example, he couldn't marry the sister of the first one because he's given her, he's given her chalitza and someone to whom you've given chalitza is a bit like a divorced wife, so you can't marry her sister. As far as the second one is concerned, he's given her chalitza, but that, that act had no legal standing at all. He could certainly marry her sister or her relatives. It's nothing. It, it is absolutely zero. So the Mishnah, in, a, in the words of the Mishnah, ain achar chalitza klum. There's absolutely nothing that can happen that has any legal significance after chalitza. And then the Mishnah makes it clear, whether there was one yavam for two yavamot, in other words, one brother for two wives, or maybe there were two brothers for one widow. So if there are two brothers to one widow, then the expression chalatz for chalatz might refer to one brother doing chalitza, but the, and then the other brother doing chalitza. But the result is the same. As soon as the first chalitza is performed, that bond of yibum is broken. Now, we might well ask, well, okay, we've dealt with the first part of the Mishnah, chalatz for chalatz. What about the second part of the Mishnah, Baal Uva'al? He had intercourse and he had intercourse. Maybe one, one brother with two widows, or maybe possibly two brothers with one widow. We're not quite sure. And the Bartanura makes it clear. He comments on the expression, Ein Chalitza Klum. There's nothing after Chalitza. He says it's referring to the first part of the Mishnah. But but a sefer tzarich lemeimer 
Ein achar But regarding the second half of the Mishnah, the one about intercourse, we also need to state there's nothing after an act of intercourse, i.e. once he's concluded the act of intercourse with the first widow, the bond of leveret marriage is sealed. So again, nothing that he does afterwards has any legal significance at all. Both chalitza and intercourse are final. And then the last Mishnah of the chapter is going to explore these in a little bit more detail. So the Mishnah goes on. Maybe he performed chalitza and then did ma'amar or gave a get or had intercourse with her. And we seem to be talking here about just one brother-in-law and one widow. So it's a simpler situation. It's a chain of events, but they begin with chalitza. And of course, we can already see from the previous Mishnah, that if, if this begins with chalitza, clearly none of these other actions are going to have any effect at all. He performed chalitza and then he did ma'amar or gave a get or intercourse with and none of these actions have any significance. And the Mishnah then gives the opposite, the mirror image. He might have intercourse with her and then do ma'amar or give her a get or perform chalitza. So first he has intercourse, which seals the bond of yibum of lever in marriage. And then then he does something different. He performs some other, some other legal technicality. And the Mishnah concludes, It repeats out the teaching of the previous Mishnah. There's nothing after Chalitza. You want the Chalitza is final. Bain, but the Mishnah then 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 makes this clear. Bain batchila, bain baemsa, bain basof. There's nothing after Chalitza, whether at the beginning, at the middle, or the end. In other words, wherever the Chalitza sits in this chain of events, it is final. Then the Mishnah explains. If intercourse took place first, there is nothing after it. So in other words, if he began with intercourse and then he gave a get, the get has no significance. But the rabbi, the Mishnah seems to be saying that the intercourse has to happen first for it to have significance. So if, for example, and we've learned this in previous Mishnayot, if he gave a get and then had intercourse, by giving a get, he's already, at least at a rabbinic level, begun to loosen this bond. And the intercourse is, is essentially, it's, it's illegal. It's extra legal. And in those situations, we've learned that, in fact, the, the couple now need to do chalitza. If he's given a get, they need to do chalitza. Because this get, even though it's not biblically ordained, has got some rabbinic, it's got some rabbinic status. And Rabbi Nehemiah is going to disagree. He's going to disagree. He's going to disagree, actually, with the authority of the rabbis and with the authority, with the status of this rabbinic act. And we remember we began by saying that Rabbi Gamliel Rabban Gamliel upholds the validity of the ma'amar and of the get. Rabban Gamliel is very sensitive to the authority of the bet din. 
we began the, the chapter with Rabban Gamliel, who supports the authority of the Bet Din, and we're going to finish it with Rabbi Nehemiah, who attacks it. Rabbi Nehemiah Omer, Echad Be'ilav Echad Chalitza. Rabbi Nehemiah says both with intercourse and Chalitza. So they're the same. Bein batchila, bein beemtsa, bein basof, ein acharehen klum. Both with intercourse and chalitza, whether they take place in the beginning, in the middle, or at the end, there's nothing after it. I.e., any kind of rabbinic act that we might have carried out before intercourse, like giving a get or giving a ma'amar to perhaps another widow. As far as Rabbi Nehemiah is concerned, that doesn't have any significance at all. Unlike Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Nehemiah doesn't recognize the existence of these rabbinic instruments. And that, needless to say, the halacha will not go like Rabbi Nehemiah because, of course, we support the authority of the rabbis. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.